Church, if you all would, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one under the chair in front of you, beneath you, or behind you. Or you can open up on your phone, whatever it might be. Alright church, we're starting a new series this morning. It's going to be a, a short three-week series before we uh, get back into the Acts of the Apostles. It's just been a, a great journey for me anyways, uh, in my, my own walk with Christ. I pray that it has been for you as well, but as you all know, uh, even though we go verse by verse uh, through entire books, we like to, to break it up. Acts is 28 chapters, so uh, that would be a very long time to just be in the one book. So we break it up, and we, feel like, we felt like, uh, as Pastor Gary and I talked, as this would be a, a great time to, to start to talk about gifts. As our church has seen some growth and some new faces, we want to make sure that we're talking about gifts. Uh, you could dub this series uh, Christmas in July because we're talking about gifts. That's like a thing. I didn't know about that until my adult life. Uh, I was lucky to get a, a Christmas at home as a child in December, uh, so hearing about one in, in July was pretty incredible. Uh, so we thought we would take some time to, to talk about gifts. And this won't be, uh, as you think about it, three weeks can't really get into all of the gifts. But as a church planter and, and pastors, we've, we've began this, uh, begun this, this idea or this model, this typology and leadership of prophet, priest, and king. And we assess pastors accordingly. And that's not to say that, that you are a prophet. That's not to say you're the king of this church or you're the priest of this church. But when we look at the offices of Jesus, we see that Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king. All capital letters, right? Capital P for prophet, capital P for priest, capital K for king. Now we're like the lowercase version, but when we look at, at Jesus and how He models this, we see that we can begin to categorize all of the gifts into pretty much these three offices of, of prophet, priest, and king. So with prophet, you see the teaching, the preaching, and the encouraging gifts. In the priest, you see the care ministry, right? Those who intercede and, and care for and, and interact and love on uh, the church family. And then you see the king, which is the more administrative uh, side of things. Now you may be sitting here thinking, okay, so I'm going to skip two out of these three weeks because one of these stands out to me. Do not skip out on any of the weeks because here's the thing. This morning we're going to be talking about the, the office of, of prophet, right? So preaching and teaching and encouragement. You may think, I'm not gifted in, in preaching or teaching, but you have been taught and you are to go and teach and it just may be at a different capacity. You may not be called to uh, be a pastor. You may not be called to be a, a group leader, but you are called to be an evangelist in the sense that you are to go and to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So there's different levels, there's different um, passions, right? So if, if you're not passionate or you're not as gifted in any one of these categories, it just requires a little bit more effort, right? There's some things that just are effortless to some folks, and that's because they're naturally gifted. The same thing happens within the church. So do not neglect um, your opportunity to serve God's kingdom through the local church just because you're not as gifted, so those are the, the three offices that we're going to, to deal with, prophet, priest, and king, and this morning we fall under prophet. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul is, is closing up his, his uh, epistles, the, one of our uh, pastoral epistles, 
to Timothy to encourage him and command him and, and direct him into pastoral ministry. And, and we get so much from these two letters to Timothy. And particularly here, he gives him this, this great charge to go and to preach the Word. And he opens up here in chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Timothy. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fill your ministry. That's God's Word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we thank You for this morning where we can come and we can meet and we can worship You in spirit and in truth. We can take advantage of this, this building that You've given us. And Lord, I pray that we would just be good stewards of it and that we don't just meet here on Sundays, but we would take opportunity to serve Your kingdom and Your people uh, through the means of this building. So God, I, I, as we're here, Lord, I pray that You would really lay it on our hearts and encourage us that, that we need to get on our feet and we need to teach and proclaim Your Word. God, and as we move through this text, I pray that to those who are, are passionate and equipped to teach Your Word, Lord, I pray that You would show them the open doors in their life. And, and if there are none, they don't see it, it's not as evident, Lord, I pray that they would, they would seek it out within this local congregation in our church family, that we would be blessed by their ministry. Lord, I pray for, as, as we progress through this text, God, I pray for, for the, the ladies here this morning who um, struggle when we, when we talk about preaching and teaching. Um, and and it, it comes down to this, this pulpit and the, the office of pastor. Lord, I pray that You would encourage them that they have been gifted and they need to seek out ways to use that gifting. And Lord, I pray that we would elevate men behind the pulpit and that that would be evident this morning. And Lord, I, would, I pray for, for those men that do step behind the pulpit, that we would humble ourselves, being reminded that it is Your power, it is Your goodness working through wretched men like ourselves. God, and doing so, You receive the glory. God, and as a family, as Your bride, I pray that You would continue to build us together. Help us to see the need to complement one another, that You've gifted us uniquely in our own way for Your glory. But God, encourage us this morning by Your Word and lead us out onto the mission field together to tell people of this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we move through this, our main point this morning is be charged and prepared for the cause. Be charged and prepared for the cause. And we'll break it up first charged and then prepared and then we'll talk about the cause. But first point, charged. We see here the, the very first thing that Paul does with Timothy here in, in chapter 4. And he's really he's closing out what had happened as R.C. Sproul notes, what, what he starts out with in, in chapter 1, verse 6, where he says, uh, Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, uh, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And then he, he 
Paul even goes on with, with Titus uh, to talk about issues within the church and how they needed to rebuke this, right? So uh, here we're seeing that the word needs to be preached and it needs to be proclaimed. And then we'll get to the cause and, and being prepared later. But he, he gives us this weighty charge. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So we get this charge, and it's like this command go and do this, Timothy. I charge you, command you, do this. When we read this, we're like, okay, Timothy's got a, a very serious thing here before him from Paul. He's charging him to go preach the word. He tells him to be ready in season, out of season, right? We see this, we talk about this. This is something, if you grew up in a, a, a church, you hear this all the time. Are you guys ready in season and out of season? But we start here with the charge. This command that is all built off of the argument or the warning from verse 3. And we'll get into that. That'll be the cause. But verse 3, we have to talk about it for a second because he's charging Timothy to do this because of the time that is coming. And the time that is coming, he says, is when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So he's leading him into go and preach because of this reason, right? There's a cause and there's a need to be prepared, but he's, he's starting here with I'm charging you to do this. And it, this word in the Greek would also have a sense of warning. It's not just I'm telling you, but he's warning him because of the cause. Right? That there's, there's a great need. There's a real issue that is going on and that's going to rise up. So for Timothy, it was on the horizon. For us, it, it's been behind us, it's with us, and it's before us. That we're living in these times where people are turning away from the truth, which is God's Word, and we'll get into in a minute. But this charge, this warning, is weighty. Why? He's not just commanding him to do something. He's doing it in the presence of God and their Lord Jesus Christ. That's very serious. The charge here is very real. Now, if you told me in the name of Gary, you need to go and do something, I'd be like, it's a joke, right? Like, no, Gary wants you to do it. All right. But if you told me Jesus is telling you to do something, I'd be like, like one, like what phone is that? Because that's like, seriously, like, let me answer it too, because I want to know. Like this charge is very real. As a kid, I don't know if you all remember, and I'm not condoning uh, this, and maybe you all still do this, maybe with your spouse is like, put your hand on the Bible and tell me you're serious, right? Tell me, tell me you swept the floor before the kids woke up. Like, tell me, you, put your hand on the Bible, Mike. Tell me you did the dishes. And I'm like, I, I did it. Like, don't want to put my hand there. Like, even as a child, like, when my brother would tell me to do something like that, and like, swear on mom's name, right? Like, on, on, on our mom. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. I can't quite do that. Like, even, even when I was being serious and, and not being deceitful to my brother, there's just something, especially with God's word and God's name, that is very serious. And as a child, even before I was saved, there was just something that just tripped me up about that. And the charge here, this warning, Paul is doing in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. If, if the first epistle and a half didn't get Timothy's attention, this surely did. That he's charging, he's commanding, yet warning him in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing 
and his kingdom, he's telling him, preach the word. Be prepared. Point number two. So he's charging him, right? But he's telling him he needs to be prepared. There's this warning, but just because we see a warning, just because we know something's very serious, doesn't mean that we're always taking action. We know people that are going to hell in our life right now. We know them. We know those in our life that are denying the Gospel and we're denying the fact that they are separated from Christ and we're just neglecting the call to go and to teach them the Gospel. So this charge is serious. But what he says is he says, preach the Word. Then he says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Tell them, you got to be ready. You want to preach the Word? You want to proclaim the Word? Then you need to be ready. Ready for what? Ready for everything, not just pastoral ministry will throw at you, but ministry. Churches, you all go out and you proclaim the Gospel. The enemy will attack and things will be laid on your, your lap that you never knew were, was even there. Baggage that your friends have been carrying and you're like, I'll just come to share the Word with you and you're like just dumping all this. And they will leave you and they will spit at you on the way out of your life. Ministry, not just pastoral ministry, but the ministry all saints are called to is messy. But it's necessary. So he tells Timothy, preach the Word. Now this is something all Christians... So this is a pastoral epistle. has a lot to do with pastoring. But this is something all saints should take in. You are to preach, proclaim God's Word. Not just the Gospel, but you are to disciple, right? Go and, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Right? We understand baptism to be an ordinance of the church. We would not recommend you go out to the river and just be baptizing people. Get them into church. Right? The, the Scriptures talk about this. But you are to go and to proclaim God's truth. Every person. Now this is where, again, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't feel equipped. And I don't feel super passionate. Well, part of the preparation is being in the life of the church and letting your pastors know how you feel ill-equipped. Letting us know the questions that you have that you might face in the world. When you pose this problem to the heresies that are being taught in our community, and then this is the rebuttal you face. But now you don't know the answer and you just back off. Well, we want to equip you for that work, men and women alike, to go and to proclaim these truths to your neighbors, to your community, to your state, to your nation, and to the nations. This is very important that we, the church, are preaching the Word. We are proclaiming God's truth. And then he says, he says, be ready in season and out of season. Now we think of this a lot of times, yeah, we're all ready in season and out of season, right? We're all super ready. This isn't talking like if you went and asked Baker Mayfield if he can throw a football in the spring. Baker Mayfield can throw a football in the fall time, in the springtime, in the wintertime, anytime. Clutch time, right? He's Baker Mayfield. This isn't talking about that. This isn't talking about can you recite John 3.16 on a whim, right? Can you just go for it? You just know it off the top of your head. Think about this. Being ready in season and out of season. You've had a long day at work. Your boss is getting on to you. 
Your spouse has been texting you all day, nagging. Men nagging the women, women nagging the men. This isn't a one side or the other. We nag at each other, both sides. You get home, your kids are a mess, the house is a mess, everything's a wreck. You go back outside and your neighbor comes over and wants to start up a conversation to ask you something about the Gospel. Think about it. What kind of mood are you in? And how are you going to respond? I'll tell you, my flesh makes me want to say, Bob, go inside and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Because that's my flesh. But the Gospel, what what God's Word is commanding is that those who teach be ready, not sometimes, not during this season, not just during this sermon series, not just during this time of your life, but to be ready in season and out of season. When on your way home, you got cut off, someone ran through the stop sign and flipped you off, you were still willing and ready to share the grace of God. Because it's important. And not just important like, oh, it feels good, it's something we should do. It's a command from God. And to those who teach, preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season. Now that sounds, it, it sounded less convicting when I just assumed like, yeah, it's kind of like throwing a football or being able to recite something. But, but having the attitude of Christ. To show grace when we ourselves need grace in that moment. To deal with everything that we've been dealing with. To lay it at the cross. And remember that the most important thing when we are sharing the Gospel is the Gospel and everything it affects. Not our attitude and not just the things that we're going through and how we have to to spit back and be hateful. Sometimes it's okay to say, hey neighbor, I'll answer your question. Just understand, I'm in a mood today. You don't have to vent about your husband. You don't have to vent about your wife. But you can say, hey, let let me tell you about the Gospel. I'm in a horrible mood. I don't feel like talking about it. There's something in my heart that's saying no, but let me tell you, God changes that way. You can use your messed up situation to drive people to the Gospel, but instead what we do is we mute the Gospel and we we begin to speak whatever we feel like in those moments. Paul tells Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. To do what? Rebuke. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. To reprove would be to expose. right? We talked a couple weeks about that. That we are, we are building a bridge and then we're throwing dynamite over to break theirs. right? We've, we've got to build this bridge, show them, and then show them why that one needs broken. We bridge and then we break. Well, same here. You're exposing. And when you expose these things, it's just like in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were what, church? They were naked. And then they felt ashamed because they were naked and ashamed of their nakedness because they had sinned against God. Well, God didn't just just show them that they were exposed. He corrected them. He rebuked. So rebuking is a correction. When something is exposed, it needs corrected, right? There's no need to just expose something and be like, ha, you're wrong. No, we expose and then we correct, rebuke. And then we exhort, encourage. Look at the pattern He gives them there. That we would expose, correct, and then encourage. 
What a, what a great place to be as we go out to teach God's Word. That we can expose these heresies, we can expose these, these false teachings, we can use God's Word to show them why it's wrong, because usually people are taking up God's Word and twisting it and manipulating it and perversing it for their own selfish gain, which gets into the cause in a second. But we can use it to expose and then correct, and then we can encourage we can show them, hey, this is what God's Word says. This is how we need to, to live. This is how we need to do it. This is, this is what it says clear as day. Now, I know your flesh may, may want to, to swing this way. And believe me, in my sinful state, I do too. But I'd much rather be upset and at war with my flesh than giving into it and be opposed to the holy triune God. You following with me, church? So we need to be prepared. Part of the preparation isn't sending each of you off to seminary. One, we couldn't afford that. And two, we can teach you right here. Why? Because this is our source. This is our source. This is, this is what we believe is, is, is profitable. Let, let's look at what, what does Jesus say about the Scriptures? What does Jesus say about the Word of God? In John 17, 17, He says this, Sanctify them in what, church? The truth. And then He says, Your Word is truth. So this, this, this word of sanctify, we often talk, talk about it like it's this, this like cute like changing of an outfit. And Paul does talk about taking off the old and putting on the new, talking about it being like this new clothing, washed white as snow. It's, it's, it's all new. But that word sanctify means to be made holy. You're being set apart. You're being holified, right? If I could come up with like, a, like some word that I'll... He got, he got the head nod from Gary. Yeah, holy-fied. Right? He's going to post that on his Facebook later. Right? We all need to be holy-fied. But it's, it's serious. This idea of sanctification. And Jesus says it comes from the Word of God. Sanctify them in truth. People love truth. Everybody wants the truth. The atheists that you share the Gospel with. The reason they are, they are wandering is because they want to know the truth and can't find it. And when they find a little bit of it, they suppress it because of their own sinful desires as we oftentimes do, waging war between the flesh and the Spirit. But Jesus makes it clear that the truth is God's Word. And what do we know about God's Word? It's inerrant. It is profitable. It is good. It is necessary. It is needed. And it is complete. So we don't have to look anywhere else outside of God's Word for any other source of authority. Now you can read books. You can, you can go through um, di different Bible studies or maybe just... Uh, books written by Christian authors, but if they are leading you into God's Word, awesome. If they're not, it's useless. Throw it away. That's just the truth. Oh, I love that book though. I'm telling you that if it's giving you any other source outside of God's Word, it's not helpful. Now there may be something where it's not talking about anything spiritual. They're giving you some good practical advice and maybe you can tie in God's Word to it and it makes sense. That's great. But anything that's leading you away from this you need to be led far away from that. Period. What does 2 Timothy say? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness. So it's profitable for teaching. So we're talking about teaching this morning. Preaching and teaching and encouraging. So it's profitable for that. So you, when you go out to share the Gospel, you, when you go out to teach somebody about God and who He is, you don't have to imagine what that would be like. 
You can prepare yourself by turning to God's Word. And guess what? It is a command to turn to God's Word. It is a command to open it up and read it. It is commanded that we do that. But we don't have to do it, church. We get to do it. Though it's a command and it would be sinful not to be in it, David gives us a clear picture that that you would delight in God's Word if indeed you've tasted and seen that He is good. So if we've seen that, if we've tasted the goodness of God, then it shouldn't be a chore to open this up. It should be a delight. You don't have to, if you, if you have us over for a summer chill, right? If, if you go over to a summer chill and you bring a dessert, you can command that I eat the chocolate cake. I'm going to do that because I delight in it, right? I love a good chocolate cake. I really, I, I love a good banana uh, dessert any kind. Like, I've never had a, a bad uh, banana dessert. You can make that, I'll eat whatever it is. And you can command, Michael, you have to eat that gladly. I know how good it is. Right? With God's word, if we've seen and tasted that he's good, why aren't we in it? Why don't we delight in it? And you know what? We end up so caught up in the fact that we're ill-equipped, we're not ready to go and share, but then we have to ask ourselves, not only am I prepared, so that answer could be, no, I'm, I'm not prepared. What are you doing to prepare? What are you doing to prepare for those moments when someone comes up to you in a, not just a bad situation, but maybe you're in a good mood? What are you doing to prepare yourself for those moments when they ask you, hey, what does God think about this? Now let me, I'll give you the, almost the cheat code. One of the greatest things that we can do in our humility is to say, I don't know, but let me look it up for you. But a lot of times we'll say, I don't know. That's interesting. I have to figure that out. And then we'll go and we'll ask. We'll go to Google. We'll ask our pastors. And we never do the homework ourselves. Church, if, if we give you an answer... We also want you to do some of the digging because then it's going to stick, right? That's part of the preparation, the preparing for teaching and encouraging and preaching from God's Word. We understand that it is profitable, it is good, and it's all for the cause. Point number three. We are charged by God's Word let me say this, if you're here this morning, right, and you're like still like attentive, we, the pastors, are charging you. We're commanding and warning you to go out because these things are among us. That you need to go out and you need to proclaim these truths. Now, what he says though, he says to do it with complete patience and teaching. So sometimes it's, it's easy to be patient one moment and not another. But he says with complete patience. Not like the, the Michael and, and Maylee relationship, my four-year-old daughter, right? Where it's like, how am I going to get through to this little four-year-old? I cannot understand. It's like I'm running up against a wall. No, with complete patience and teaching. Because the cause is great. There's a great cause ahead of us as Christians. Because he says here, he says, for the time is coming, and indeed is, church, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We see that today. And if, if we haven't seen it in all of our life, you can look at the past year where people have been able to sit at home, and, and believe me, some people needed to stay home, need to stay home, right? They've got real health issues. I get it. But it's made it so easy and it's made our faith so lackadaisical because we can sit on our couch and we don't like 
um, Matt Chandler, so we're going to change the channel, right? We're just on our couch, and it's like, oh, I went to one service today, didn't like it. I'm going to flip over to another service. And it's like, oh, I don't like uh, J.D. Greer, but here, I'm going to put on Ed Litton. And it sounds familiar, like sounds like some other things, but all right, I'll stick with that guy, right? And we can just pick and choose according to our own passions. Let me tell you, I have a tough time listening to some guys. And the guys that I have a tough time listening to, whether it be because of their style or whatever, I'll listen. And if they preach sound teaching, I'm like, man, this is something I need to hear. When, it, when it's difficult, you press in and you're listening to make sure that this is being lifted up. We're making sure that this and the name of Jesus is being exalted. Because in other areas within our community, within our town, on the square, in the surrounding area, they are not preaching the gospel. Not everywhere. When you hear that, let me make it very clear that there are true churches in Medina. I don't believe we're the only one. Praise God for that. And I pray that God continues to use those and those other churches to share the gospel. But there are people in our town preaching heresy and leading people to hell. Church, that hurts to say. That's the cause that we have. That's the mission field that we have. And it's not just those who are abundantly not saved. I love dealing with a true non-believer. Someone who says, I hate God. I'm like, finally someone will just say it. It's the people that I have to like, alright, you don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Oh, you don't believe in hell. But you believe in Jesus. Yeah. What's Jesus save you from? Hell. I'm like, you don't believe in it. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I, those, that, that's so difficult. But let me tell you, church, it's been on us and about us and with us for thousands of years already. Paul warned of it, but we've, we've been seeing it. We're going to see it until the day we die or Jesus comes back. Whatever happens first. But he says that this time is coming where they're going to have itching ears and they, they find teachers to suit their own passion. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And church, we need to expose that. We need to call it out. With, with patience and teaching, showing them and correcting them so that they could be sanctified by truth, which is God's Word. And he tells them, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And church, you know, the interesting part about this is, is there's a divide here. Because when we get into talking about preaching and teaching, let me just talk to you ladies for a second. We get so caught up on, on the pulpit. We get so caught up on the, the title and the office of, of pastor. And let me say this, we've elevated men for a very long time. And men never need to be elevated. God uses the broke to exalt His name. To show and display His power through broken vessels and broken men like your pastors. Now there are qualifications there. We believe that this office of pastor is held to qualified men. Not any old Joe. Qualified men. But within church leadership, within our church family, we need you ladies to step up and teach. And it, it, it's a different platform. It's a different area. And it's a different ministry but it is for the kingdom. It is for your good and for God's glory. So what happens is, is, is men have, have elevated men and suppressed God's Word in doing so and made it seem like it was men. We need to be humbled. But let me tell you, ladies, we need you. 
We need you to step up in areas. If you're curious and, and what areas you can, you can teach in and, and what you can do and how you can use these giftings, please come see one of the pastors after church. Because in, in, in looking to the pulpit for so long, what has happened is the, the kingdom has been neglected because the gifts haven't been used. Because, because we've been looking at this and it's like, that's, that's the end all for teaching. And it's not. What do we talk about here? We talk about gathering in to go back out. This is, this is a small portion of it. See, the, the whole American view of Christianity has been built around the pulpit. Built around the man. Let me say the man. Because we, we do admire the pulpit. We do love the pulpit. The pulpit holds up God's Word and is where the Word is preached and hopefully preached faithfully. Amen? But we've all been so distracted by Sunday morning gatherings that we forgot that the Bible tells us to fellowship with one another. The Bible tells us to, to meet and to eat with one another. That's why we do summer chills. The Bible tells us to pray. The Bible tells us to do all these things. This is not the end all. And men, we need to get other men and other women serving in the church. Whether they fall under the category of prophet, whether they fall under the category of priest, whether they fall under the category of king. Each and every one of you is uniquely gifted for the work of ministry. And your pastor's job is to equip you for that work. To say, hey, you are gifted. You are hospitable. You need to have people over. You need to disciple them. You need to love on them and, and care for them. Oh, you are, you are very kingly in your leadership. We could, we could use some of your help and, and some of the functioning of, of our church family. That way, Pastor uh, Gary and myself don't don't forget to pay a bill or forget to do something that we're supposed to do, right? Like have, have people use their gifts. And for far too long, we've, we've watched as we've sat back, Christian after Christian, with great ideas, great passion, great gifting. We've elevated men. We've elevated women. And we've neglected the gospel and the call to go and to preach. Church, the reality is real. People are going to hell. And we're sitting back talking about it. Let I me mean, not blanket you. We've got great evangelists here. But being ready. If you want to talk about someone who's always ready, go talk to Brother Mark, Mark Sherry. That guy. Talk about being ready in season and out of season. He'd make you feel like you know, like that, like your bladder's full and you're like, it's going to explode. And like, I would not talk to anybody, not even my children. And in a moment like that, Mark would make you believe that you need to stop and share the gospel and let your bladder explode. Right? That's the kind of care we should have when we understand the cause that is before us. The reality that the gospel is the most important and preeminent thing and it affects everything. Our entire life. So when the gospel gets a hold of somebody, it changes our community for the better. Church, if you all would, go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing a song. Man, you can go ahead and make your way back up here. But I want to encourage you this morning. If you've got that gift of, of teaching, like you've been really hyped, come talk to us, especially if you're passionate. We want to find that area for you to use that gift for all of our good and for God's glory. Maybe you're not passionate about it and you're like, I need the... I need to brush up a little bit. Come talk to us. We want to know how we can best equip you. Because church, this isn't about us. This isn't about the Michael platform. This isn't about the Gary platform, the Nelson platform, the Simon platform, the Aubrey platform, anybody's platform. 
This is about the exaltation of the name of Jesus, our King. Amen? That's what this is all about. So when we meet, when we gather, when we go, to God be the glory. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for this morning that we've had to gather in Your presence around Your Word. And I pray again for encouragement to come upon those who are maybe struggling. But God, I pray that You would show them that, that You've gifted them. There's different areas. God, You have a created order and we want to respect that. But You have a command that we, all Christians, are to go and to proclaim the Gospel, to go and to proclaim Your Word. So I pray that that would be exalted. That would be glorified. And I pray that we would humble ourselves as we go and as we may see success in our ministries, wherever it might be, that we would be reminded that You use broken vessels like ourselves. God, You were leading the way before us. You were showing us what we are to do. You, you've given us Your complete Word, and I pray that we would obey and follow every bit of it. Lord, and I pray that as, especially as we go through this series, God, as we continue in the next couple weeks, that You would, you would remind us of the giftings that we have. God, that, that You would show us that, yeah, we're passionate about something, but maybe that's because You've gifted us and You've called us to an area of ministry. And we would go and we would be faithful using these gifts for Your glory. Lord, and to those who, who do step out to teach, to preach, and, in, and to encourage from Your Word, Lord, I pray that, that we would stick to it faithfully. God, we would not twist, especially here in this church, we would not twist or manipulate it. We would not perverse Your Word. God, that we would be careful to discern what Your Word says, to properly exegete, seek out proper study of your word so that we may go out and teach what is sound, what is faithful, and what is life-changing and that you would receive all of the glory. Lord, be with us as, as we go. And I pray that just this week particular that you would show us those open doors and we would share the gospel. We would point people to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.